0: If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23. How many brought your Bibles? Good. You got it either on phone, iPad, by paper, got a real book, or thank God for those. How many remember what a book looks like? Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. And it says this, For I, Paul is talking here. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And he's getting ready to tell us something that the Lord showed him. Now, what he what he's telling us is literally what the Lord showed Paul about communion. Now, you've got to remember, uh, Jesus partook of holy communion, called the... the uh, Holy Communions called the Eucharist um, the lord 's Supper, several names for it, but he partook of it and he instituted it uh, the night before he was betrayed the night before he was betrayed and and uh, literally here paul wasn 't there when this happened paul wasn 't in the room. the disciples and a few others were in the room but paul he wasn 't even a Christian then, so paul wasn 't there when it happened. So Paul says, for I've received of the Lord. In other words, apparently in one of Paul's visions, in one of Paul's when he was caught up to heaven or sometime in Paul's life, the Lord revealed to Paul exactly what happened the night that the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion or the Eucharist. And the reason he did that to Paul is because he wanted Paul to teach it so the church would continue it. Okay? So that's the, that's the historical perspective of it. Now notice what he says. For I've received from the Lord. Notice you say, well, he probably, he probably got it from one of the disciples, the apostles probably told him. Well, no, If it, it, Paul would have said that. Paul would have said that. Remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. And uh, so Paul would have said, hey, James told me this. Or Peter told me this. He says, for I've received of the Lord. So the Lord told him, that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30, For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. How many of you realize that we're living in a culture, and an age now, that things that used to be considered holy and sacred and special are no longer holy, sacred, and special? We're living in an age where, in fact, a lot of people are rebelling against anything that looks like the church their parents went to or their grandparents went to. And and unfortunately, what happens in those cases is they, uh, they forget the, and some of the things we need to rebel against. Some of the things we used to do years ago, they're so full of doubt and unbelief, we were just silly to do them, all right, and build a, a doctrine on them. We were silly to do that. But there's some things that have been, doing, been going on in the church for years, and millennials, that we don't need to get rid of, they're sacred, they're holy, And two of those things are simply the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, and the other one's water baptism. You can never get too relevant to get rid of Holy Communion and water baptism. And you can never get too modern or too up-to-date or culturally proper in this culture, in this context, to get rid of those two things. But unfortunately, since we... Pentecostals, Charismatics, the new evangelical movement that's going today of all the worship and all this stuff, we're we're getting back to what we Pentecostals made us great, the church service. We're getting back to doing church good. We do events good. We do concerts good. We do it good. We do church. But then on Monday, you don't know why you believe what you believe. In fact, a lot of people don't even know what they believe. They just heard a good worship song on the radio and they like it and that, they think that's enough to get them through. That is enough to get them through as long as the doctor don't tell them you got three months to live. It's important that you know why you believe what you believe. It's important you and I know what to believe. So I want us to talk. We started last week and we're going to do it tonight. We're going to talk about Holy Communion. Why do we take Holy Communion? What is Holy Communion? Why do we take it? Why have they been taking it for years? And why has it not gone out of style? And is, if Jesus said to do it, why should we continue to do it 2,000 years later? And is it just a ritual? Is it just something we do to take up time? Or does it have meaning and does it will it produce results in our walk with the Lord on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and every other day besides Sunday? Why do we partake of Holy Communion and what it's all about? Okay. So, understand that Jesus began his earthly ministry by receiving water baptism and Jesus ended his earthly ministry by... Introducing a new practice called Holy Communion. Jesus began by being baptized in water. He ended his ministry by receiving Holy Communion. Holy Communion is also called the Eucharist, which is a Latin term. The Eucharist, which is a Latin term, which really means gratitude. It's also called the Lord's Supper. How many of you have referred to it, heard it referred to as the Lord's Supper? How many grew up in churches? Most of your uh, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic uh, churches called it the Eucharist. How many grew up hearing it referred to as the Eucharist? All right. Then the Lord's Supper. And then I grew up, most, most Pentecostal brands grew up, it was called communion, Holy Communion. Holy Communion is a sacred event. Still is to this day that demonstrates our ongoing fellowship and intimate connection with the body of Christ. It comes from the word communion, comes from the word where we get our word community, okay? And literally, Holy Communion is a celebration of our relationship with Jesus and his family, the church. Holy Communion is not just about us and Jesus, it's also about us With one another. It's about us and Jesus, and it's about our communion with one another as well. I shared this with you last week. Let me repeat it. While there is nothing in Scripture that forbids believers from receiving the Lord's Supper in private devotion, there's also no Scriptural precedent for it. We don't see it in Scripture where somebody just got by themselves and partook of Holy Communion. There's nothing that says you can't. Nothing that says you can't. You say, well, I've done that, and we do it at our house, and and we do it. There's nothing that says you can't. Nothing that says you shouldn't. But there's nothing in Scripture that says, here's how you do it. Or, yes, it's okay to do it. So, even though it doesn't say you can't do it that way, understand the primary reason of communion is for to be taken as a church body. In community. In community. The biblical purpose of Holy Communion is to commune with Christ and His assembled family. The word commune means to share intimately with another. It is the basis of the word community. Therefore, Holy Communion is a sacred event that should be experienced with the full community of believers in the local church. On the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified, he sat down with his disciples, he didn't do it alone, to share this Jewish feast known as the Passover. We read that story last week and we talked about that. But let's read what it said in Luke chapter 22. Let's read what it says, Luke chapter 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Notice Jesus is not by himself. He's not in the Garden of Gethsemane praying by himself. He's with people that he knows believe like him, has fellowship with him, and has faith like him. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. Share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Verse 19, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Verse 20, after supper he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So this is where Jesus introduces the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. Now, to do it properly, you've got to have three elements. Three of them. Number one, the bread. The bread. The breaking of bread shows that Jesus' body was broken on the, de- on, on the death on the cross. We're going we're gonna to partake of Holy Communion tonight before we leave. We're going to partake again. And when we pull that first little tab back, you're going to see that wafer. That wafer is the bread, and it literally represents that Jesus' body was broken in death on the cross. It also demonstrates that the local church is one loaf made up of many members. We're one body made up of many members. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 17. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse number 17, notice what it says. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. This is what the New Living Translation says. It says, "And And though we are many, though we are many, though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Though we're many, we're one body. That's referring to communion. So the communion is not just about the body of Christ, his physical body, it's also about the body of the church. See? And though we are many, we eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we're one body. So you've got to have the bread. The second thing you've got to have is the cup. The cup represents the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin and gives us eternal life. Okay? Turn to 1 Corinthians ten, sixteen. One verse below that one I just read. It says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, are we, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? So notice, to partake of Holy Communion and do it correctly according to the way the Word says to do it. We've got to have the bread, we've got to have the cup, the juice, and then the third thing is you've got to have the gathered church. After Jesus shared the Last Supper with His disciples, the only instructions given in the Bible for Holy Communion is found in 1 Corinthians. Did you hear me? After Jesus did it that night in which He was betrayed, after He did it, the only other time Holy Communion is talked about in the Scripture is to a church body. To a church body. He tells us all through the Scriptures to pray. Pray privately, pray publicly, Pray loud, pray soft, pray in the Spirit, pray in your understanding, sing your prayers, recite your prayers. He tells us to pray kneeling. He says to pray laying down. He says you can pray standing up. You can pray sitting down. He talks about prayer all the time. But when it comes to communion, the only time after it's spoken of in the whole New Testament, after Jesus did it, was to the church, a church congregation. Communion is a special event. That is to occur when you come together as members of the church in one place. Okay? So you've got to have the bread, you've got to have the cup, and you've got to have the church. All right? You've got to have the bread, the cup, the juice, and the church. Everybody with me? Now, let me share with you five quick purposes why we partake communion and why it's more than a tradition and why it's more than a ritual and why it still has meaning today. Number one, you are partaking in the benefits of the body and blood of Christ. Partaking of communion, receiving the Lord's Supper, is not just doing something religious. It has benefits. The benefits that were brought about by the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It still brings benefits to our life this very day. The body and the blood of Jesus have a physical and a spiritual reality. It's not just a spiritual reality, it has a physical reality. The physical body of Jesus was broken on the cross. The physical body of Jesus was raised from the dead. The physical body of Jesus ascended into heaven. The glorified body of Jesus now sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So listen, when we consecrate, the bread and cup in Holy Communion. When we take that bread and consecrate it with prayer, when we take that cup with juice and consecrate it in prayer, we identify them as earthly symbols of the actual body and blood of Jesus who is in heaven. And as we eat and drink together, we commune. We intimately connect by faith with the real body and blood of Jesus and all of its benefits. Now, the Catholic Church believes what is referred to as transubstantiation, which means the bread actually becomes the body and the juice becomes the blood. We don't believe that. The body of the Lord's in heaven. So it can't become His body. But we, by faith, commune with what that body represents. That's in heaven today. First Corinthians ten sixteen again. Notice what we says. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? In other words, what the blood did when it died on the cross, we get to share in that today. You say, well, what did it do? Well, I tell you what. It over. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony. It's the greatest force you have. That and the word of God is the greatest force you have against the devil, who's trying to steal everything you've got. The blood. Okay. And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing with the body of Christ? When we break the bread, aren't we sharing with the body of Christ? What's the body benefit? On His body were placed stripes for our healing that we can receive today. On His body was placed stripes and torture to pay the penalty for our sins so you and I can walk in righteousness today. The bread and the cup are like earthly extension cords that the church collectively places a hand upon. In just a moment, we're going to take that bread and we're going to take that cup of juice and it's like an earthly extension cord that the church collectively places a hand upon and uses to plug into the power that flows today from the presence of Christ's body and blood in heaven. It's not just a ritual. It's not just an activity or religious exercise. It has meaning and benefits for today. Okay? So number one, why do we do it? What's the purpose of it? For the benefits of the body and the blood of Christ. Number two, why do we do it? It's a declaration of Jesus' death, resurrection, and future return. It's a declaration of Jesus' death, resurrection, in future return, I uh, I was out ministering Sunday that Christopher Alam was here, but I don't know if he went into personally went into his testimony that when a Muslim gets baptized, it's it's an outward sign. You cannot come back into Islam. You're not going to come back into Islam. When a Muslim accepts Christ, they will harass you. The family will harass you, and the and the uh, all the all the. Radical Muslims will will beat you up, but they won't kill you. They think that through their harassing and their torturing you, they can get you back into Islam. But when a Muslim gets baptized, they believe at that moment that you can't get back. So they'll kill you because you're an infidel and you're an infidel forever. Okay? Now, notice what it says. When we partake of Holy Communion, it's a declaration. We are saying to this world, we believe in Jesus' death, His resurrection, and not only that, but that He's coming back again. Okay? It's one thing to believe He died for it. It's another thing to believe that He's alive. And it's another thing to believe He's coming back. 1 Corinthians eleven 26. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six. 26. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes. Number three, number three, it's an opportunity for personal cleansing. Why do we partake of the Lord's Supper? Well, we do it to get the benefits of the body and blood. We do it to declare we believe in Jesus, that he died, he raised from the dead, and he's coming back. We do it as an opportunity for personal cleansing. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 27, notice what he says. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of the cup. I'm going to tell you, I was taught this so strongly when I was a kid. I would never partake of communion until I would confessed of everything I ever thought about doing wrong. I am confessed of things the person set beside me did because I didn't want God to get us mixed up on which one was the sinner. All right? Before I partook of Holy Communion. Remember the day the Holy Communion was started by Christ was the celebration of the Passover in which the blood of the Lamb covered the sin and the rebellion of the people. Likewise, when we receive Holy Communion, we should remember it's a sacred event. The Apostle Paul says for everybody to examine himself. To examine himself. And in so doing, if we see sin in our life, before we partake of Holy Communion, we need to confess. We need to confess our sin that we know we're involved in. Let a man examine himself. So it's an opportunity. Holy Communion, why do we do it? To To get the benefits of the body and blood. Why do we do it? declare we believe Jesus died he was resurrected and he's coming back again why do we do it because as a church family it's our opportunity to slow down and take a moment and examine our lives and make sure the blood of Jesus will cover us everybody still with me Number number four it's a time to connect with our spiritual family it's a time to connect with our spiritual family. We were not created to live out our faith in isolation from others. We're not created. I know some of you think, man, I, those people frustrate me. They make me mad. They, they ain't acting right. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Da, da 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 But I want you to know Christ did not save us so us to live in isolation. We were not created to live out our faith in isolation from others. Communion is important because it reminds us of this fact. It humbles our pride and independence and supernaturally strengthens us by connecting us to our spiritual family. Okay? It connects us with our spiritual family. And see, this is the thing we miss. This is the thing we miss. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to get back to it in the United States. Do you real? I hope you understand. I hope you're getting prepared. That persecution is coming for the church in the days to come. Don't you already see it? Don't you see it on TV? Did you see what the Emmy said about us, the people at the Emmy Awards? That 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 they they made fun of Christians on the Emmy Awards. They made fun of Christians on the Emmy Awards. Don't you see what's happening in America today? That the Christians are the only, they're, they're the religion that now it's their fair game to make fun of Christians. Fair game to make fun of Christians. That's the precursor. Jesus said it was gonna happen. The word tells us that in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times, hard to bear. The word perilous means hard to bear, difficult times to come. And I remember. I remember growing up as a young boy in a Pentecostal church where Pentecostals and speaking in tongues when I was a little boy was not celebrated. Now you can go into any office, you can go into any place, and there's somebody there that speaks in tongues. It's popular now. But when I was growing up, it wasn't popular. Um, And the only time we came to... you, The only people you felt comfortable with was your church family. And Holy Communion was a very special time because it was a time for us to celebrate our like precious faith. Now we live in a culture where people come to this church this week and that church the next week and go to a worship conference at that church the next week and a worship night at that church the next week and they're not connected to nobody. They just go wherever. And there's coming a day that it's going to be the body of Christ that's going to huddle together and strengthen one another like it was years ago. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? You might say, I don't believe that. Well, you just wait and see. You just wait and see. It's coming. It's coming. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. For we though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. It's so important to be a part of the local church. It's so important to be connected to the local church. I had a, a, a mother that shared with me today on social media. Thank you that my church was there for my son's surgery today. Thank you for being that we're such a part of a great church. I tell you what, every one of us are going to have a moment of crises in our life. And it's going to be the people that love you in faith and love you in blood. That's the people that's going to hang with you. Not the party crowd. Not the people you're sipping wine with. They're not going to hang with you. It's going to be the church people. And it's going to be your blood family that's going to hang with you. When crises comes to all of our lives. Well, I can see you're excited about that. Here's the fifth one. I'll close with this one. And this, if nothing else, this is the most important you need to understand. Not the most important, but one that really affects us. Why do we partake of Holy Communion? Healing and restoration of the weak and sick. Holy Communion is such a sacred event that the Apostle Paul says that when believers continue in sin, when they continue in sin while receiving Communion, that sacred event becomes a time for the Father's judgment and discipline. You say, what? It is so sacred. It is such a holy moment. It might not be holy on earth in some places, but in heaven, it's so holy that when believers continue in their sin while they partake of holy communion, it opens a door for God's judgment and discipline in their life. You say, well, where's that at? All right. Do you realize the Corinthian church, they were carnal. They were carnal. Now, they were Christians, but they were carnal. Paul called them a bunch of carnal babies. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. These were Christians now. They knew Jesus and they were going to heaven. But notice what it says. Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now are you still not able. For you are still carnal, for there is envy among you, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You see, the culture at the church at Corinth was so toxic. They were divided. They were a divided church. They picked sides against one another. They picked sides. I like this preacher. No, I like this preacher. I like this song. No, I like this hymn. I like this worship course. No, we want to sing this hymn. I like the way they do this. No, I like this color. No, I like this room. I want to have this room. They just picked sides. They were just fussing. They were complaining all the time. Paul called them, you're not spiritual. You're a bunch of carnal Christians. You're a bunch of babies. Then it says here, they would sue each other. They They divorced one another and remarried one another within the church. They divorced one another and then the divorced people would remarry somebody else in the church. They engaged in sexual sin. There was incest going on in the church. Adultery, fornication going on in the church. And they didn't act like anything was wrong with it. Nothing at all. And they continued taking holy communion without ever examining their behavior. And notice what God says about that. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. He says, if you do those things and don't judge yourself and you continue to partake of Holy Communion, notice what he says in verse 30. Notice what he says in verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. The New Living Translation says, that is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. Oh, yeah. That's what the Word says. That's what the Word says. This is a, See, it's not something we do just to throw it in to get it on the calendar. Well, we need to have communion. All right, let's have communion. It's a holy event. And it's a time for us to slow down and examine ourselves and cleanse ourselves. And if it becomes just ritual to us, we open the door for the judgment and discipline of the Lord. While this may seem severe, the truth is the judgment at the communion table is an act of loving discipline by our Heavenly Father. He is allowing us to experience the consequences of our own sins physically through weakness, sickness, and premature death so that we may avoid the ultimate judgment that will come upon an unbelieving world. Look at verse 32. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. The reason the Lord allows us to be judged and disciplined is because he loves us. And he don't want him he doesn't want to come back and we living like a bunch of heathens. Remember he's coming back for a spotless church, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And how many know the king's coming? 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined. The Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews, who the Lord loves, he disciplines. How many have ever heard this? How many times? You, you, any of y'all ever grow, know, remember the sound of the belt coming out of your dad's pants? Anybody remember that sound? Anybody ever remember, anybody, my grandmother had a we, uh, weeping willow tree in her backyard. And and she would get that, break one of those little limbs off, and her hand would come down that limb and take all those, and all of a sudden, I could be ten feet away from her, and I could hear that f- and about that time, about that time the sound hit my ears, that sharp pain hit my leg, and I repented in a heartbeat. And then they'd say, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't do this. I said, boy, that's a strange way to love it. It's a strange way. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't whoop you. If I didn't love you, all you know, I mean, I mean. I told my son one time, he said, Dad, you're about to kill me. I said, well, I didn't love you. He said, Dad, you don't love me. You don't kill people you love. You don't kill people you love. So I had to repent for whipping him so hard. Literally, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So if we partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthily manner, and it opens the door for things, bad things in our life, it's not the Lord getting us. It's the Lord trying to get our attention Straighten up here. You've opened the door. I don't want you to have to live with this the rest of your life. Great news. The same event that can open the door to judgment and discipline can also close the door as well, making us worthy candidates for healing and restoration. For if we will judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. If you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. If you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. judged. People say to me all the time, they say to me, you tell more on yourself than any preacher we ever know. You tell things, we can't believe you tell things that you've done. You tell on yourself more. You know why I do it? Because if I tell it, you don't have anything to talk bad about me. People say, well, you say, well, did you hear what he said? Well, yeah, he says that all the time. You steal the devil's ammunition when you tell it. If you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. If you sin... We all sin. Step up and judge yourself. Judge yourself. Don't try to hide it. Judge yourself. We've all seen politicians. If they just judge yourself, people understand that. It's when they try to hide it, cover it up, that they get in trouble.